Hello, this is Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian, host of the Badass Women's Council podcast. And today we want to talk about the difference between striving and thriving. Because we've been using the word striving as a moniker of success for honestly way too long. And really the root of the word means strife, which is battle and conflict. And as I've been interviewing strong women and researching this topic, Really, striving is about some external sense of success, which usually leaves us wanting for more. Whereas thriving literally means to grow, prosper, and flourish. And flourish means to create the conditions for growth. It comes from floral origins, and it means when the stem of a flower reaches up towards the sun and its roots down through the soil. Thriving is our ability with our own gifts, talents, and the conditions we create to grow, prosper, and flourish wherever we are. We can take our gifts and talents and go from one job to the next. We can change careers. We can retire and still make a difference and have value and relevance. Thriving is different. And today's guest is a perfect illustration of this. Her name is Shauna Griffiths, and she was a two-sport Division I collegiate athlete and went on to have amazing career in the NBA, has done amazing things. But all of those, as we talk in this interview, were about striving and external markers of success and how she woke up in her 30s and thought, there's got to be something more, which I can relate to. And I know many of the women that I work with say the same things. And this conversation with Shauna, I think will give you a lot to think about as you kick off this new decade. Here we go. Hey, Shauna, how's it going? Good. Really good this morning. I got a big hair day going on. I love it. I love it. Commenting on my Instagram post from this morning about big hair and joy, right? Exactly. Like a, like a day with big hair, fake lashes, and some joy in your heart. So that's what I'm always striving for. I'm so glad that you were able to be with us today. We're, we're going to really dig into some interesting topics um, because you have had a really fascinating and rich career life. Thank you. All Thank the things. Lots, yeah, lots of, lots of turns, but all I think guided by a bigger reason. So to, to have a positive impact for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's talk about that, where you are now mm-hmm. versus, you know, you started out in your career coming off of a two sport division one collegiate athletic career, which is yeah. the epitome of go and structure and competition. And what I refer to as really striving, right? Win the next yep. game, win the, do the next thing, go, go, go into now you describing your life really differently than that. And my words are to say that it's more of a thriving life that you have versus striving. So yeah, I'd love to, to dig into that kind of evolution that's taken place in your life. Yeah. 
So you came out of um, your collegiate career, which really mm-hmm. we'll just call it a career because when you're going to school and competing and traveling and doing all the things, that's like having two full-time jobs, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so tell us a little bit about the rigor of that life. Yeah. I mean, it is all encompassing for sure. It's uh, your identity. It's how you structure your days. Um, you know, and I probably uh, took it. I, I take everything a bit seriously. I've been <laughs> known to be called intense, um, you know, but <laughs> that's, Same. Just, that's, yeah, that's, you know, just part of my DNA. Um, but it really does structure your days, everything from practice to competition to travel. Like you said, you have um, you know, three days in the weight room, that's during the season, um, as well as when I was playing basketball at the University of Michigan, we had four hour practices every day, uh, six days a week, plus and weekends were longer sessions, plus you had three days of um, in the weight room, plus you had study table, um, plus you had to, you know, your, your actual travel, and then you're going to classes. So, it really does, um, to your point, it really does structure your life and the way you're, you, you know, who you're around, all of that. So it is not just something you're doing, it really is your identity. So, you know, as I was saying to you a bit earlier, I found myself, um, I, I played basketball in undergrad and went to grad school and used my fifth year of eligibility and ran cross country. Um, And I found myself on the other side of that feeling like an identity crisis. I didn't know who I was outside of team and sport. And I think that's an important message for anyone because we can do that with our careers. Yeah, absolutely. I think about, you know, I spent uh, 16 years full time and a few more as a contractor for um, the Franklin Covey organization. And I literally loved my job for most of those years. Like it was a huge part of my life. Yeah. And when I chose to leave, it was this sense of, I didn't know who I was outside of that framework for a little bit. Well, it's, it's, it's so interesting that you're saying that because after, after school, I went right into, I transferred my actual playing to my career where I worked with Nike, um, with the WNBA, the Women's National Basketball Association during its, its inception years, um, and then right, went right into the NBA family helping to um, launch what is now called the G League. It was at the time it was called the D League, the minor league for the NBA, and then went into, was able to get myself to an NBA team. I spent 13 years And I I did exactly what you were talking about, where I switched from all of that energy and identity with playing the sport to that energy and identity with my career. So when I looked up in my early 30s, I was like, whoa, let me take a breath here and assess where I am. It was, I had done the same thing for 13 years where I just threw myself in and that was my identity. So when I made a big shift in my career, um, to go to the agency side, I again had an identity crisis. It was like the literally the ball stopped bouncing, and that identity with the team and being able to say to people, "I work in the NBA family." I didn't know what to do with myself. Like, who am I? And for the first time, I had to walk into a room and say, "Hi, I'm Shauna," and I didn't have that crutch or that 
um, structure to that other people could say, oh, okay, I know how to think about you. So it was, it was really, I, I call it interesting how it was quite painful. Um, and I think along the way, to your point, there was so much striving that was going on to get to that, you know, from the, to Nike, to the WNBA, to the D League, to the NBA, there's so much strife along that to get to the next thing, um, where a lot of times it felt really painful because I wasn't there yet and I wasn't really enjoying where I was, um, you know, in that moment or in those years. Isn't that fascinating? Because if someone was watching you and your career trajectory, because you could just Google you and see that it's been impressive. (laughs) If somebody's looking at that from the outside, they're seeing that and saying, man, she's killing it. She's got it all (laughs) together, right? And, and And you're sitting in it thinking, what the heck? This is hard and it doesn't yeah. even feel good, but I got to get to the next thing because I'm not even enjoying the thing that I've just achieved because now there's yeah. another another mountain to climb. There's another game to win. There's another this to achieve. So yeah. internally, we feel the striving and externally, somebody else can be like, oh, that's where I want to be. So we've got to be careful about how we project that out into the world. Oh, totally, totally. And it's funny because I've never had a a desire to make anybody else have a perception that I am perfect, that I've got it all together. I'm actually tell people a lot like I'm transparent to a fault. Same. <laughs> so Same. a lot of times when people say to me, how do you do it? I'm like, I'll actually give them an answer. It's kind of funny to watch. <laughs> them to respond to that you know as I just again I'm, I'm very much as you know even as a kid it's like I'm, I'm who I am and you know I'm, I don't try to make someone think there's this rosy picture and so I think coming along the way I was at times too transparent about how it was challenging in the moment and it wasn't necessarily about um it was challenging to be a woman in a male-dominated industry I actually never really thought about that. Yes, it was part of the reality. And, but it was more of like, it was, I just felt as a human being, it was challenging for me to get to the next thing. And again, I was constantly looking ahead to that next thing rather than being in it. It was like, I was trying to speed up that time or skip parts of the journey. Mm -hmm. Um, The reality is each part of the journey taught me so much. Even, even, even the, even the struggles, right? And I think the struggles are the people that were in my uh, path along the way that were the most challenging. I actually think that's where I learned the most Mm -hmm. because there isn't someone, a lot of times people think that if you're a leader, you're successful, there's some book that you're following. There's some map that you're following or somebody's giving you the answers. Well, that's actually not true. We're all winging it every day. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I actually had to realize that at one point, I remember having this aha moment where I was like, oh shit, they don't actually know what they're doing either. And it's it's a bit of a freeing feeling. Um, But again, it's like when I talk with my staff or the people that I coach, um, there's so much that I share where it's like, oh, right. Yeah. Well, we suffer similarly. And along the way, I had this really painful moment and here's what I learned from it. And, you know, again, to be able to share that, it's to try to help myself and other people 
um, as you're going through some of these hard times, but you're right. That's like through those moments, actually, that's where I think I learned the most. I, I finally learned to see the struggle as a bit of a gift because Mm -hmm. the, the gift was there to do what I now know is two things. One, the first thing I realized it was there to teach me something. Yeah, absolutely. There was always some learning in that sucky part of life. And if I could right. see it as a gift, I could get through it quicker because I could be like, okay, what am I supposed to be learning? Let, let me just feel it and then try to get out of it. But the second thing about it being a gift was somewhere later in my life, there was someone that needed my yes. story in how I got through it to help them. So I could give right. that gift. I would receive right. it learn from it and then give it to someone else. And that's a whole different feeling than just sitting in the suck. Absolutely. You know, that, that sitting in the suck, telling that story of the suck, all that does is root you deeper there. And so to be able to have that awareness where it's, if I tell a story, it's, it, there's a purpose to the story and share that. And I'll say, well, I learned this and let me tell you how I learned it and how it's helped me and how I believe this thematic can be helpful to you as you're going through your journey. So, I mean, I, yeah, I I agree with you a hundred percent. And that's a great illustration of you taking the courage and the gumption and the grit that you received from all of those years in that competitive um, athletic environment, but now using it in a different way to courageously stand tall, what I call stand tall in your story, to be Mm -hmm. able to then to give Mm -hmm. that gift to someone else to say, hold on, let me, let me tell you how this really looks. Right, right. Well, it's so interesting because if I think about the times that have been so, so challenging along the journey, in those moments, I literally thought, I was the only one who had ever experienced that. Oh, isn't it true? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I mean, I could, uh, whether it was like some, you know, a uh, mistake on a, a printing of pocket schedule, 3 million pocket schedules, which seems like a silly thing, right? You can laugh. And I'm sure in the moment I thought I was going to die. You know? yeah. <laughs> it was like this humongously tragic thing, but there was a lesson in that. And so, you know, again, it's these, they, by being able to share that with people, it's helping people understand. Again, we suffer similarly, differently, but quite similarly. So there are things that we can, nuggets that we can share that we have learned that can, and, and sometimes it actually even helps us. It helps me to retell that in the learning because I'm like, right, it's a good reminder for me. It's a aha note to self. I need to keep this out in front of myself because you don't learn something once when you're 20 and then, you know, it's just what you do Check every day. Check the box, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we've talked about that earlier as well, is that the only thing we all have in common is our imperfection and the fact that we have yeah. struggles, right? That's, yeah. That is our humanity and our connection. I, I want to go back and do you have a, a memory of something that caused that shift in your 30s where all of a sudden you were like, hold on. This striving game, which is my words, not not the, necessarily the ones that you used when you were thirty. Yeah. But do you was there a was there a catalyst for change? Was there a defining moment, or was it something just evolved over time to shift into doing things differently? Um, I think it was an I think it was an evolution. You know where you um, start to it's like you're hearing this or you're becoming more aware of this, and all of a sudden it's like smacking you in the face. And I think what happened for me is I felt so lonely and empty inside. Mm. I wasn't being fueled by the achievements. I wasn't being 
I wasn't able to celebrate the the achievements where I was. It was I actually had to pause again in my early 30s and go, wait a minute. I am a professional basketball marketer, which is wonderful. And at the same time, if I realized like I've got one life to live and how can I maximize my ability to impact others? How can I be as rich as an individual as possible? And that's to be more well-rounded. Um, and I also realized how much my, um, I want to say obsession and full focused identity in that world was limiting me from experiencing life outside of that world. Mm. So when I was in my early thirties and my career was my everything, I wasn't, didn't hardly date, um, you know, didn't have much friend interaction. um, And I was desperately seeking another type of connection. That's when I was going to yoga all the time and became a yoga instructor. And it was like, I needed more. And so I think I kind of put all the, those things together in that. Again, my North star was how can I be the best, most well-rounded person um, as well as um, employee as possible. Yeah. Cause that's and, not, and, but I think a, a huge folk, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, my, it cut out and I oh. interrupted you. Go ahead. No, I was just to, to kind of cap that off. I think it, um, again, it was like, how can I be the most, the best that I can be? It was that self, um, like that's the evolution that I was looking for. And a thematic there is, I realize I had one life to live. And some people can think that's fatalistic, but I actually think it's more of celebrating and and just realizing how special it is to walk the planet, to interact, like every interaction is important. And so um, regret is something that I don't ever want to feel. Um, and so I very mindfully choose the steps that I take um, and the way that I walk through the world uh, with with that, that in mind. That's beautiful. It it illustrates perfectly the the way I want to my legacy to be known is that I helped people understand that their unique gifts, talents, and story is really what we should be looking to discover through our lives mm-hmm. and how we use those unique gifts and talents then to achieve great things is a wonderful thing. There's nothing wrong with that, but our identity doesn't lie in the external thing that we've achieved, whether it's career or trophies or whatever it is. Our identity lies in our ability to see how we we courageously used our gifts and talents to yeah. serve in that way. And then yeah. it also allows us to pivot. It allows us to say, okay, when I go to do this other thing, when you left the uh, NBA, when I left Franklin Covey, it allows us to pick up our gifts and talents walk those out the door with us, and then we get to go use them somewhere else in a different way. It doesn't mean we left ourselves behind. Mm -hmm. It means that we just carried our gifts and talents and served another person or another group or another place. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, And to me, that when I got that, 
that was so freeing because then I could be curious and I could try different things. Like you, you started to do different things and try different things. And now ultimately you're in a, in a, a completely kind of different place, but feeling more holistic in the way that you're using your gifts. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting. You've mentioned this a couple of times about that outward recognition. And when I wasn't feeling, and it not like it's a past tense thing when I, you know, when I often don't feel that like, oh, okay, I got this recognition. And now that fuels me, I actually feel more fueled by what you're talking about by serving others by seeing people advance by seeing like the success, the growth in people. Um, it just, it's so, it just is like the word is fueling that comes to mind. I feel very filled up. Um, and to, so that's, it, again, that points to that impact. Um, well, and it's neuroscience. We're actually wired for it. Our brains every day when we wake up, our brains have one job. They want, it, our brain wants to make sure that we survive and thrive. Yeah. Unfortunately, for many of us high achieving career women, we got stuck in this striving place in between. But what our yeah. brain is really looking for is to say, okay, is she safe? Just, you know, she's not going to walk in front of a bus. She's got some food, <laughs> she's got some water, she's got all the things. Yeah. But how can how can you have value and relevance mm. in the way that your work, your life, your days serve another. We're wired yeah. for generosity and kindness. We're wired for value and relevance. And ultimately, the way that we we use our gifts to serve another is how we start to kind of uncover what our meaning and purpose is about. Yeah. So, so you've uncovered over these years that using those gifts and talents that you've brought along the way, like kind of this breadcrumb trail of discovery is what I call it. Yeah. You're now seeing that you've learned so much that you through coaching and through investing in others, whether it's your team at work or the, the clients that you coach, that the giving of those lessons and struggle and story is where you're getting your sense of achievement today. It's so true. It's, and that is so much a, a more rich and true feeling um, rather than pointing to some accolade or, and I don't mean to discredit those. Those are wonderful. I have to admit that I have a hard time truly receiving those. Um, Cause I feel it's more about me rather than the impact I can have on others. Yeah. It's so true. This is kind of a related but funny story. When I I was a wildly successful salesperson, sold uh -huh. $35 million over the years, like blah, 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 did all the things. <laughs> I have glass trophies, oh. Oh, the Wazoozies, right? Which okay. is a wonderful thing. And yet I always had a hard time, like it felt icky to me. Yeah. Like, like I had this team of people that helped me, but yet I was the one standing on the stage getting the award. And then I would think about how much my family had given up because I was on the road. Like the award day, what was supposed to be like this big celebration always yeah. felt kind of to me. So one time in particular, yeah. and we were always traveling when we got these awards at these conferences, I was standing <clears throat> in the elevator with my big glass award. And the only thing I could think was, well, shit, how am I going to get this thing on the plane? Um, <laughs> And I'm standing in the elevator and to be fair, I'd had a couple of drinks and uh, there was this guy in the elevator who's like, oh my gosh, congratulations. And I literally just handed in my award. I was like, I would love it if you would just take this. <laughs> 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 but I remember that just because it was like, it didn't feel authentic and it didn't feel like me. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because for people... I will, I, and I literally just met you, but like, I will say like you and me, um, 
that's not the that's not the north star for us that's not actually what we were trying to get but let there be, let it be clear that i'd be pissed if i didn't get the award <laughs> like once i got it i was like oh this feels creepy yeah. but there were a few times i didn't get the award and that feels bad too so i yeah. don't i'm i'm not like this holier than thou like oh agreed totally okay. i'm yeah, the yeah. same way where it's like you're not holier than thou i'm human you know i want these things too but at the same time there it's just a weird dynamic and some, and it's hard to explain because what you were saying earlier is people may look at you and say, oh, have this perception and that kind of thing. And it's like, or even like, what does it feel to win an award like that? And it's wonderful in the moment, but it also feels kind of like, ugh, because what I was trying to do along the journey is help grow everybody around me and help all of us be successful. And I'm not, I'm not trying to make everything all about me, but you're right. At the same time, you're like, there is a moment where you feel great about getting it. And if you didn't get it, you'd feel a bit crushed. And, and you mentioned this earlier too. The external validation just means that there's another hill to climb because in yeah. sales, once that fiscal year is over and you've gotten that award, there's a zero start game to yeah. the next sales oh. goal, right? Yeah. And hopefully you've filled your pipeline. But and and yours, yeah. you know, you you had this, I achieved this level of success, whether it was career or or um athletics. Uh, and then yeah okay, now it's, what's the next hill to climb? What's the next yeah. external validation? There's it's it so never true. fills you up. And that's not what, and, and people don't often talk about that. It's, you know, again, you spend so much time, you know, if you go by year cycle or a season cycle, you spend so much time trying to get there. And then this little moment of celebration, and then you're right, all of a sudden you go from the top of the hill, crash down at the bottom. like. <gasps> You know, like first quarter hangover is what I used to call it. You know, <laughs> the first quarter hangover was I finished the year strong. I hit my sales goals. And sometimes you'd done it to the to the demise of your next year's accomplishment. And I know you can yeah. do that with your body too, right? You yeah. can oh, yeah. your body so hard that you don't have anything to give for the next season. Um, yeah. Sometimes that first I, quarter is... Ugh. Yeah. And I think that's so much where people start to... You can only ride that sort of roller coaster so long without feeling the word everybody you you know words a lot of people use burnout mm -hmm. that hamster wheel you're on it again i feel burned out how many times people say that how can i do this again and i think you know in against kind of without realizing it along the way part of me was seeing something bigger than me, bigger than this hamster wheel, bigger than the top of the mountain. And that was the giving to other people, the serving of other people along the way and watching and being a part of other pe people's journeys as they continue to rise and continue to find who they are and their, what success means to them. So I think it's an interesting thing because again, I don't think it was something that was necessarily conscious, but I think that's helped me to um, be able almost like tolerate or experience that a bit in a different way. Well, and you used the term earlier that one of the things you wanted people to to get out of this message was the the need to be adaptable mm -hmm. to to understand that you've got these gifts and talents and you want, you do want to work hard. I mean, mm -hmm. you and I both, I mean, we can tell already like we we like to work, we like to yeah. accomplish, we like to achieve, but to do it for a different end in mind versus yeah. the external validation. Um, I think is 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 really important and that there's no shame in the in the achievement and growing and prospering and and 
I want a, my money-making model for my business to grow and thrive just as much yeah. as I personally want to grow Absolutely. and thrive. Like this doesn't mean all of a sudden we all quit our jobs and go braid hair on the beach somewhere and no. live this like, <laughs> in, like, no, I'm going after it hard to grow a business that I'm proud of and, and, and I can be successful be, yeah. and I want to be prosperous and be paid well for it. So right. Absolutely. This, this isn't an airy fairy, like we're just going to give up on all the striving things and just chill out. No, I'm going to thrive, which is grow, prosper, flourish. I want all the things. And enjoy it more. Enjoy it more because of the experience that you're going through and lifting up others along the way is part of it. It feels less hollow to me when it feels purposeful when it's done that way. Um, And, you know, again, rather than the opposite, if it's all about the, if if it's void of those impact moments, that feels to me hollow. And that doesn't feel like the way I feel enriched and doesn't feel like the way I want to live the one shot at life that I've been given. Mm. Oh, I love that. I love that. (laughs) That's, that feels like something we should just drop the mic on and, and, and wrap up for today. And, but I absolutely want you to come back. I mean, there's, I would so, love there's to. like 50 other topics I can think of that we should talk about. Now I'm going to surprise yes. you with a final question. Okay. So one of the things we talk about here on the Badass Women's Council podcast is a phenomenon that also exists in our brain, which is the little bitch that lives in our head. Mm. And she's the one who is really meant to keep us safe and, and from doing crazy things. But unfortunately, she takes it too far and she holds us back from doing yeah. things that we really should and, and could be doing. And so yeah. I always say we should just put her in the passenger seat with a seatbelt and a snack because she's always going to be with us, but we just don't yeah. let her drive. <laughs> so yeah. the little bitch in her head ha- can pop up at different times based on circumstances, but sometimes we have one that's pretty consistent, a message that's pretty consistent. So one of my consistent little bitch messages is um, if I'm in a big group of people interacting or even working or keynoting or whatever... And when I walk away and leave, she says to me, you know, they're all looking around at you and saying, who does she think she is? Hmm. And I know where it comes from and I don't have time to get into that again today, but that's a script that the little bitch wants to say to me is like, you know, you probably just ought to reel it in, sister. Like they, they think you're a little too much today. Huh. Um, so tell us, yes. what does the little bitch in your head say to you that you have to put her in the passenger seat with a seatbelt and a snack? Uh, hmm, that's a good one. I think it, when you were saying it, the thing that came to me was either the question of, are you enough or you're not enough? And, um, that's something I think that I have that, that comes up for me that I have to figure out how to Stick it, I think of it as like sticking my rear view mirror, <laughs> not bring along that yeah. the only way that like her voice is going to be present right here, right now is if I bring it there. So, you know, and I, and I kind of leave it out there as enough because there's so many things that that little bitch voice starts to question for me. Are you enough of a friend? Are you enough of an, of an aunt? Are you enough of a leader? Those type of things. Um, and it's actually interesting because it's less of what do other people think about me? And it's more of what do I think about me? 
That's an evolution, right? That's yeah. <laughs> that's part of the journey. I love that. That's helpful. And I, I'm asking that question to everyone now because I think it's so important that everyone understand that we all have that. Yes, absolutely. Every single one of us. I was watching yeah. a um, Instagram story of Brene Brown, who... <laughs> love, right? Yeah, right? Love. And it was an Instagram story of her standing backstage kind of freaking out before she went in to do, to went on to do this huge talk yeah. and and it was so comforting to be like, "Oh, yay. Yeah. She has she she has insecurities too." Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's but I uh coach that um coach I've worked with Leslie Harris for several years now is just incredible and you know, he talks about that as the saboteur mm. and and it, it's so great to put that kind of word toward it because it doesn't have to be something that I, I like, I fully embrace. It's just like you're saying, okay, I can hear that voice. I don't have to own it. I don't have to be that. I don't have to even entertain an answer for it. I can just stick that voice in the seat next to me. Here, have a snack. Shh, let me go about my business. Yep. That's um, it. That's <laughs> it. And that's what I tell my clients: personify her. You can treat her with kindness or be yeah. awful to her, but just. No, she's always going to be there. We'll die with her. So we might as well just figure out how to handle her. Every day. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you absolutely for the opportunity. I appreciate it. And I look forward to coming on back. Absolutely. And I'm not coming down. I told you she was great. You know what I love about this role in this podcast is the more amazing women I meet, the more amazing women I meet. And that is something that you can do from where you sit. Reach out to someone today that you've been admiring from afar and ask to have coffee, ask to jump on the phone. I think you'll be surprised at how many amazing women would absolutely take you up on that offer. And then it just starts to be a ripple effect. In fact, Shauna was so kind as to reach out and introduce me to several of her network as a result of this podcast, which will now be scheduled for the show this year. She's an amazing human being. Please go check her out on LinkedIn, all the places that I have connected in the show notes and stay connected. I think you're going to find even more amazing things coming from Shauna. Make it a great decade. I'm not coming down. I never left it on the ground. I'm not coming down.